The following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, visit lifeatvictory.com slash young adults. We introduced a subject of where you find your value and how you find your worth in life. How many of you were not here last week? Just to get some idea. Okay, about a third of you. Um, you can go on the podcast and kind of catch up with us. And I really spent some time as to, as to how God intends you to find your value. God intends you to find your worth. Until you understand what something's worth, you don't know how to treat it. Until you understand the intrinsic value <clears throat> of a given thing, you'll misuse it. The word abuse is a compound word, abuse, abnormal usage. Most people abuse their own life because they don't, they don't know their worth. And when you learn to find your worth externally, then it's always a moving target. Uh, you know, for example, um, uh, I have a $50 bill. And how much is a $50 bill worth? It's not a trick question. $50, there you go. Those are the, those are the econ and math majors, evidently. So. so 50 bucks is worth 50 bucks. So the intrinsic value of this bill is $50. But if I, if I, if I crush it and, and, I, and, I, and I were to step on it and, 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 and throw it in, in a bucket of dirt and, and smear it full of garbage and, and then crush it some more and let it dry and let it rot, and then about three or four days later, I take this $50 bill back out and I slowly unravel it, even though it's filthy, even though it's covered with a lot of garbage, what's it worth? $50. But that's what happens to people in life. Their value gets covered up. You could bring that messed up bill into any bank. They'll take it and give you a brand new one because it's worth $50. Until you understand your value, you will make decisions that will not, that will not reflect what you're worth. You'll end up in relationships you shouldn't have been in. You'll end up with people that you give yourself to sexually, relationally, and otherwise that you shouldn't. I'm not putting down those people. But you need to learn as a person what you're worth. I would, I, just a guess, I'm going to hazard a guess. There are probably some of you in, a room, in this room tonight in a relationship with somebody that treats you like garbage. It speaks down to you that doesn't treat you well, that doesn't return your text, kind of leaves you hanging, always trying to earn their love. Um, uh, maybe it's a, maybe, whether it's a guy, girl, whatever, until you understand what you're worth, you'll put up with that. And it may not be you, but I imagine everybody in this room knows somebody that's in a relationship. How many of you know somebody, and don't, if it's the person beside you, don't elbow them and say, I told you, you idiot, this is about you. This is not a good time to do that, okay? But how many of you know somebody that's dating someone or seeing somebody who treats them like crap and you can't understand why they stomach it? How many of you ever maybe sat down with your friend and said, listen, he's an idiot. Why do you date him? Why, how can you, but he loves me. And what do you mean he loves you? He treats you like garbage. Yeah, but you don't know him deep, deep down. He's really sweet. Well, deep, deep down, you shouldn't have to look that far to find sweet. So why does a young lady or a young guy go into a relationship that's destructive? Why do people do all the things we do that are destructive? Because we don't know our intrinsic value. Until you know what something's worth, you don't know how to treat it. Now I'm going to take you into a scripture 
in the Bible where it talks about Abraham and Sarah. God gave these two people a promise that they would, in the Old Testament, that they would have a miracle child. That child's name ultimately would be Isaac. And it's through that union that Jesus and his lineage would actually come. And we would have a redeemer through that, that miracle birth. There's so much I could talk to you about. That's incredible, the parallels between Isaac and Jesus as he was a type and a shadow of Christ to come. But that's, that's a subject for another day. But Abraham and his wife Sarah, God promised them. Now, they, now here's what you need to know about Sarah. She never had been able to have children. Now she's past the age of childbirth. She's almost 90 years old. And God tells Abraham, who's almost 100, that you, you two are going to have a baby. Now, it'd be one thing had they even had kids before, but they couldn't. And so God gives them this promise. And so this is a pretty remarkable thing. Well, the promise isn't coming to pass. She's not getting pregnant. So Sarah makes a decision. She says to Abraham, listen, my, my maid or my servant, Hagar, I want you to go have sex with her and have a baby with her. We will take that baby and raise it as our heir. And so, so Abraham obeyed his wife. Now, I, just, I really would love to see the conversations a few days after that. But we'll go, that's for another day. And then she conceives a child. His name's Ishmael. And because of that disobedience, Abraham and Sarah uh, now to adopt, if you will, Ishmael. But Ishmael, if, you'll, if you study, if you know the scripture is actually the Bible said that Isaac and Ishmael would always have a, a hatred between them. And that hatred exists today in the Middle East. The sons of Ishmael, the descendants of Ishmael, are all the nations that gather around Israel. Israel is the, is, are the descendants of Isaac. And what I want you to see about that story, and let me read it to you in the New Testament as it kind of explains it in a New Testament context. In, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 4, listen to this as, as, as the scripture talks about it. He said, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of that slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share the inheritance with the free woman's son. Now, God commanded, because again, Ishmael was a work of their own doing. And Ishmael, even though he was not the heir, God blessed Ishmael. And he said, I'll make a great nation out of him. And you can see the, the, uh, the Ishmaelites, if you will, uh, surround all of Israel today. But what I want you to understand, though, is God told them, you've got to get rid of what you've tried to do to make yourself right with me. And that was what he was referring to when he said they're not under the law. But getting rid of the slave woman was not difficult for Abraham because he didn't love her. But what was hard for, for, for him is, is that it was hard for him to get rid of his son. He had to say goodbye to his son, and it was a horrible thing. It, it, was, it, 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 tore, it tore him inside. 
So he, he loved what the slave woman produced. Here's what I want you to understand about your value and your worth. When your efforts come against the promise of God, how are you going to define how God sees you? How are you going to define the will of God and the plan of God for your life? Are you going to do like Abraham and Sarah and try to earn it? Are you going to do what they did and try to make it on your own, your own way? And finally, when God commanded this to happen, before, actually, here's what, here's what, here's, when, when they had not yet received the promise, I, Abraham cried out to God and he said, just let Ishmael live and be my, my heir. Sometimes it seems very easy to depend upon the things that we've, ch- we've chosen to depend upon to find our value and our worth. Now, when you find your value and your worth in your, or your identity outside of how God sees you, you're having the same struggle that they had. God is telling you and me what he's telling them. You've got to cast out that bondwoman. You've got to cast out what you have chosen to make yourself valuable. For some of you, it might be your athleticism. Some of you, academics. Some of you, your job, your musical ability, whatever it is. Where you've learned to discover your worth. Where you've learned to find out who you are. Ishmael is a type of self-righteousness where you try to make yourself right with God. But until you understand that God made you, God formed you, in fact, you could say it this way, you left God breathless. All of creation, the Bible said, when God recreated the world in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, it said, in the the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The next verse says, and the earth was without form, and darkness and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. So between Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, likely could be 4 trillion years. We don't know what happened between God creating the earth and the earth becoming dark. Ezekiel gives us a hint that Satan was here and there was a whole, even a hint of a pre-Adamic race. doesn't say much about it, but, but the Bible is in a history book. But here we find in the beginning God making man, God making the earth, God creating this world for his man. And, 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 and what I want you to see, and I forget why I even brought that up to you. Someone might have to help me if it left me. It's late. And I'm, I just, it left me. But there was a reason I was telling you about that. But since it left me, we'll move on. It might come back. See, when, you're, when you do this a lot of time and you just lose your place, instead of just and something goes away from you, 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 when you're younger, you try to cover it because you want people to to value you. But when you get older, you don't care. Because I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to help you to live the life you were meant to live. I'm here to help you not to live in the Ishmaels of your life, to not live in your self-righteousness. And that self-righteousness, trying to make yourself right with God, trying to find your own value outside of who God said you are, is critical. Self-righteousness is a determination to create a value within yourself and before God. Any of you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? Anybody ever see that? It's, it's a horribly gory movie to watch. It's a World War II movie, but I really would suggest that, anybody, that you watch it to give you some appreciation for what the World War II generation did for our freedoms. But there's a scene in that movie where th- these men go look for a man named Private Ryan. And because all of his, he had, he had three other brothers, and his three brothers were all killed. 
within weeks, like a week of each other. And his mother was getting a letter from the government stating that all three of her sons, three of her four sons are now dead. Well, so immediately a general says, we're going to go get this guy out and send him back to his mother because she's about to lose all four of her sons. Well, the, the whole movie is about saving Private Ryan. Finally, when they find him, and, and, and they lost men, people died. Tom Hanks plays the lead character. Tom Hanks takes, takes gunfire and he's dying. And he looks at Private Ryan, who's standing on a bridge as, as they're, they, they're kind of just at the end of defeating Germany. And, and Hanks is dying. And he leans down and he pulls him to himself. And, he, and he's, you, you can't, it's hard to hear him with all the stuff. And he, says, and he calls him by his name. He says, James, he said, earn this. Earn it. And then he dies. And he put a burden on this young man that look at these, because he didn't want these guys to come look for him. In fact, when they found him, he wouldn't leave. He stayed and fought with them. And he said, my mother would rather I died here with the only brothers I have left than for me to leave them here uh, and, and weaken their position. But Tom Hanks said something to him that was a brutal thing to carry for the rest of his life. And it's interesting that if you've seen the movie, he stands up, and then his face begins to morph to an old man. Because the movie starts with him at a graveyard in Normandy, France. And he's just standing by a grave, and you don't know what it's about. Then it ends the movie with him morphing into this old man, and now he's back at the graveyard. And he's standing there, and he's crying as he's looking at the grave of the man that told him to earn it. And his wife comes up to him, and, and he looks at his wife with tears, and he said, Tell me I've lived a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. And she says, you are. And you could see that he carried a lifelong burden of trying to earn what the, in fact, he actually says to the grave, I hope I've earned what you all did for me that day. That's a self-righteousness. It sounds noble, but you can't earn what God's done for you. You can't earn the value that he's attributed to you because of his love for you. When you try to earn it, it's called self-righteousness. It's called trying to build or create your own Ishmael. Ishmaels are easy to birth, but they're hard to live with. And if you're not careful, you will try to find your value in things that will never produce for you. In fact, they will skew the way you see the world. God created you for, for light. And light, is. It said, in fact, he said, my word is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. But when you take the, the love of God over your life and you try to earn it, you bend that light. You'll begin to justify things in your life that displease God. Anything God says over my life in your life is for my good, not for my evil. And yet, the minute these things happen, and then right on the other side of the coin, there's another form of self-righteousness. I'm not worthy. God, I'm just no good. I'm just dirt. I'm a piece of garbage. I'm just, I'm, I'm a horrible person. But the fact of it is, this $50 bill has intrinsic value. You're not worthless. You are worth what God was willing to purchase you with. And that was the blood of his son. So when God looked at your intrinsic value, he didn't redeem you from your sin with, with, with gold or silver or money. He redeemed you or purchased you with the blood of his son. And, and it's, it's critical that you get that. Because until you understand your value, you won't fulfill the purpose of your life. 
You'll live beneath your, 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 the weight of, of the incredible gifts God have, God's given you. When you hear, some of you heard me say the incredible gifts he's given you, your mind immediately said, well, I don't have incredible gifts. There's nothing incredible about me. I'm not one of those people that stand out. But it's a lie. You're living under the shadow of a lie. When you begin to understand how the desperation of the love of God for you. I remember why I was telling you Genesis now. <laughs> it takes time, but I'll circle back around. That God left you breathless. He really did. You left God breathless. When he made the world in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis verse 2, he recreates the world. Everything he recreates, he speaks it into existence until man is here. And the Bible said he formed man. And then ultimately when he made woman, it said he skillfully formed her. How many of you know he did a better job on women than he did men? It's just true. And but then he did something, the Bible, that he did for nothing else in creation. He literally breathed his life into the, into, the, into the nostrils of man. You literally left God breathless. He loves you so much. When you understand you are the crown of his creation, and this entire culture is, is literally defined, designed to diminish that value. I, a, a while back... Uh, Oh, I don't know, uh, three or four weeks ago, I did a teaching on what the Bible says about gay marriage and gender identity. And, if, if, and you can go on our website and watch it if you'd like or listen to it. But it isn't about putting people down. It's about people that don't know their value. People that, that this world has literally bent the image of God in them. Your sexuality, your, your, your gender is sacred. And, and we live in a world that's twisting what God has made sacred. It's, it's bending it and it's twisting it. And people that Jesus loves and God loves and that he created for a divine purpose. We live in a world to where the more broken you are, the more celebrated you are. Instead of trying to help brokenness, and I'm not certainly, there's nothing that should be done to, to diminish people or put people down for whatever's going on in their life. I don't, the Bible doesn't teach that Christians should, should put or speak against other human beings. But, the, but when you understand your value, when you understand your worth, it, when you understand that God made you in his image and in his likeness, and the work of hell is to distort the image of God in man, to break you, to break you emotionally, to break you sexually, to break you uh, uh, intellectually, to break you spiritually more than anything. Until you understand that, you're going to see all of these issues through the prism of the world. Instead of understanding God made you to reign. In fact, when he talked about that he crowned you with glory, honor, dignity, and worth, he said that he also made you to have dominion over all the works of his hands. You see, anytime you do what, 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 what Abraham and Sarah did and try to form your own self-worth, or you, or you do like this, I'm no good, and God, I'm just humble because I'm worthless. You're not worthless to God. Both of those are a form of judging God. Both of those, like Adam, when he sinned and fell, is when were you, like Adam, try to hide and cover away from God. And then you do exactly what Adam and Eve did to God. 
They judged God. You hear people talk all the time about God judging men. And, and certainly there's a truth to that. But I promise you, men and women judge God so much more than God's judging men. Adam and Eve, when they fell, when they sinned, when they needed a redeemer, hid from God and covered themselves. See, when you don't understand your value and worth, when you don't understand that Jesus came to restore it, you'll try to cover it and fix it yourself. And it's like the clothing they put on was insufficient. We have to count everything, the Bible said, everything that we try to do to earn God as the word in the Bible is dung. Now, that, we have a different word for it. Now, anybody here grow up on a farm? Anybody? Okay, you know what dung is then, right? Dung on the farm, that's the cow poop. And so the, the, the scripture actually said, we have to count everything in our life but dung other than finding ourselves in our identity in him. Let me read it to you in Philippians. And we're going to wind this down, but I want to end on a note because until you know your worth, listen to me, other people are going to control your future. You're going to find your happiness in other people's heads. You're going to need what other people think about you to change before you can have a good day. You're going to live your whole life based on the reflection of the mirror of other people's expectations, of other people's opinions. And some of these people are people you may not even know in five years. Do you know how many people live their life trying to find their happiness in the heads of other people? You were not created for that. Listen to Philippians chapter 3. Paul wrote, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, and he's talking about self-righteousness. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in his flesh, I have more, and he gives his, the list. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, a zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. Now listen to these words. But whatever was profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For, for, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them but rubbish. The literal word in the Hebrew is poop. That's what it means. He said, I consider all of those things but dung that I might gain Christ. Now listen to this statement, and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which comes through the law, but if righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, which is by faith. Paul said, look, if anybody has a reason to be confident, I do. Uh, Paul was one of the leaders in the, Jewish, uh, in, in, the, in the Jewish world. He was a Pharisee. He had all gone through all the different things that you should do as a Jew. And Paul said, all of those things that I once found my righteousness in, I consider them but dung. Now, I don't want to be graphic, but when you go to the bathroom and there's dung. Special, huh? You didn't think that was coming tonight, did you? How many of you do something to make it go away from you? It's called a flush. Right? Is that, is, how many of you think that's a good thing? 
All right, that's a really good thing. How many of you reach down and put it in a bag and take it with you? Self-righteousness, that's what it is. That's what it looks like to God. It's as foolish for you who have been found in Christ to find your identity in any other place but him as it would be to carry dung around and say, well, you know, it did come out of me. Self-righteousness comes out of you as well, but it will destroy you. It is defiled because you cannot find your own, your, your own righteousness. That's why in, in Acts 17, it says this. For in him, in Christ, we live, we move, we have our being. And he said, as some of your poet, poets have said, we are his offspring. So what happens, though, to a person who finds their identity and worth in Jesus? Listen to what Jesus said. This is in John chapter 5. Jesus said, and he's talking to the religious people, the rulers, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me and receive this life. Now listen to this statement. Your approval means nothing to me. I don't know how to exaggerate to you the importance of that statement. The younger you are, the more you want people's approval. The less you understand where you find your value and worth, the more you will try to find it in the mirror of other people's faces, reflections, expectations, and opinions of you. The only way you're going to live the life you were meant to live is when you find your value and worth in such abundance that you don't need to find it anywhere else. Now, your approval meaning nothing to me doesn't mean that your opinion isn't important. It's simply saying the way I live my life will never be based on the view of other people. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's just say my, um, my, my son is getting married and his wedding's coming up. And at the wedding, of course, I'm his father, I'm going to be there. But I get an opportunity to go speak in Dubai. And they're going to give me $100 million, but I have to miss the wedding. Now, how many of you think $100 million is a lot of money? And my son's wedding is priceless to me. So Ryan sits down with me, he says, Dad, listen, here's the deal. I know we can't postpone the wedding, but here's, let's be realistic here. Go to Dubai. Because here's the deal. You need to give me $10 million. All right, look, we're, we can get over it, Dad, I promise you. $10 million make it feel a whole lot better. Okay? So I, the $100 million would cause you at least to consider the option. Now, let's, let, me, let me change this scenario. I played the lottery. And it was at $1 billion. And I was the only winning ticket. Now I have, after taxes, $750 million to my name. Now my son's getting married. Somebody comes up to me and says, I'll give you $100 million to miss the wedding. What do I do immediately? Forget it. What's $100 million to me? I have 750 of them. 
I have 750 million, I have three quarters of a billion dollars. That 100 million, which at one point could have, could have cajoled me, could have moved me to miss an important moment in my, my family's life. And my family, all but my wife, would have, would have agreed. Okay? But once I have money in abundance, I wouldn't miss Christmas with my family for $100 million. I have 750 million of them. Here's the, here's the key. Once you have something in abundance, you don't seek for it in measure. Once you have worth in Christ established in your heart, you won't look for scraps of it and, and forfeit the most precious things in your life for it. Some of you are going to end up in a bed having sex with somebody because you want value. And the very thing you're seeking for, it is going to diminish in your life. Some of you are in relationships that are devaluing you right now, not just sexually, just by the way you're treated. Behaviors in your life, choices in your life, where you're trying to cover yourself. I understand that. I used to live that way. I used to live that way all the time because I didn't know my value. But once I began to discover who I am in Christ, when I discovered the love of God for me, when I discovered that he had a purpose for my life, he took me from a kid who expected no future in his life, none, to believing of the impossible for my life. Now, in my case, that's a ministry track. For many of you, most of you, that won't be the case. And, you know, when I was younger, I remember my dad came to me. And he said, now, this, this is before your time, but there was a time when there were steel mills in western Pennsylvania. Uh, that's why they're called the Steelers. And if they were to name them today, they would name them something techie because there are no more, there are no more steel mills. So when the steel mills were dying, my father pulled me aside. I was about 19. No, and actually, I was 17. He pulled me aside and he said, you know, John, he said, the steel mills are going down. And here's what he said to me. He said, I have no idea what you're going to be able to do with your life. But my, dad, my dad was a realist. I was the brother of the five that they were probably going to have to take care of. Let's just say uh, my idea of a great day was to get up late, smoke weed and play basketball. That's what I, that was my college experience. Just being honest. And uh, I wasn't really living uh, with much purpose. And my dad basically could see that if I could get a good job in a steel mill, at least I could make a living. But when he realized that that opportunity was going away, he was dead serious. He wasn't trying to make me feel bad. He said, I have no idea what you're going to do with your life. And I didn't disagree with him. How did I get from that person to pastoring a church that Michelle and I founded 22 years ago? with just the two of us starting it. And today you're sitting on a 30 plus million dollar campus. How did that happen? It happened because I found out my worth. I found out that there was a treasure inside me that God gave me as a gift. And that if I knew how to yield to it and make decisions about it, it would change not just my life, but the people around me. Every one of you have a, have a treasure on the inside of you. 
And until you know your worth, it's going to be masked. It's going to be covered. It's going to be, it's going to be limited. Let me tell you through the years, and I'm about done, I, uh, you do understand that not everybody that comes to this church likes it. Well, let me tell you, they don't. You want to know one of the reasons they don't? It's because of you. No, it's not your fault. I'm just telling you it's because of you. Uh, time and time again, people have come up to me more than I can remember in 22 years and said things like this. This church makes me sick. I said, well, thank you. It's nice to meet you too. Um, I think it's disgusting what you do for young people in this church. I said, explain to me. Well, I walk around this building. It looks like Disneyland. All these rooms for kids, special youth centers and, and young adult centers. And you know how much money was, what a waste of money. They're telling me this. I listen and they don't like me for it. They make up, they'll lie about me, even make up rumors about me. And they'll say, Here's what they, I'm just telling you what they say to me. I think it's disgusting. They should just come to church like I did when I was a kid. Now, I like to have fun with people, so I always say this, and I got used to saying it. I said, well, look, here's the deal. I don't want them to turn out like you. <laughs> look how miserable you are. And here's what I've learned to say to people. I'm not rude about it. I said, look, I, I just want, I want to be honest with you. I couldn't care less what you think. I don't care if you're happy. I don't care if you're sad. I couldn't care less what you think. I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if you stay, if you leave. The EXIT, leave. I don't care what you want. Because someday I'm going to die. And the one who saved me in the word said this. He said, permit children or the lambs or younger people in scripture, permit them to come to me. Now here's, and he said, it'd be better for you to kill yourself than to offend a young one. I said, now I'm going to stand before God someday and he's going to ask me what I did for the next generation. And if I tell him your hard heart directed me instead of his words, then I'm stupid. So here's what I'm fine with. In a few years, we'll be dead. You'll get to talk to God, I'll get to talk to God. You tell him about your stupidity and I'll tell him about the kids I reached. And you, I, I'm fine with either way. And if he rebukes me for it, I'm okay with it. But I don't think he will. I think he's going to look at you and he's going to say, that was stupid. And the, you know what they say to me about you? You're a waste of money. Because we've invested millions of dollars in, 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 in everything from staffing to facility. Over half of the, the square footage of this whole center is, is dedicated to the next generation. And can I tell you something about your age group? You ain't got no money. And none of y'all paying for it. So why would we do this? Because you are valuable to God. And I couldn't care less what a small-minded, hard-hearted human being thinks about it. Why? Because their approval means nothing to me. Now that sounds harsh until on the other side of it. You're able to pour your life into another generation of people. And there are people in this church that are three, four times your age who walk up to me and, and hand me checks of, of tens of thousands and 
at times hundreds of thousands of dollars to help pay for the stuff, to create an atmosphere and an environment for you to be able to hear about the things of God. And here's what I want you to learn about your purpose. Till you find out what you're worth, you're never going to live your mission. Till you find out your value to God, you won't be able to say your approval means nothing to me. Some of you are doing things with your life and behaviors because you want the approval of people. It's human nature. I get it. I used to live that way all the time. But there's a higher way to live. That's why I really want to encourage you. In fact, I've done a whole series of teaching on this subject. On our website, you can download it for free. It's called Crown with Dignity and Worth. And I really want to encourage you to invest some time to discover the treasure that you are to God. To discover why you left him breathless. Because when you discover that, you're going to discover the track. It's going to take you to places you never dreamed of. It's going to unearth in you the things that God has hidden in you. And this world is more than happy to keep covered up. So I want to pray for you tonight that, that God opens your heart to these things so that you don't have to live a life. That you were, that, in fact, let me say it this way. You were, I want you to live a life you were meant to and, and live in the purposes of God that he has for your life. Let me, let me pray for you. Just go into his presence. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the men and women in this room. I thank you that though we live in a world that is so dark and ever darkening, full of people that oppose you and actually oppose themselves. First, we, we pray for those precious people. You love them so much. Open their hearts and open their eyes. But I pray for the young men and women in this room that they would understand that they are a treasure. That they would understand that they literally are a treasure from you. And that there's nothing impossible with you. Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. That you will never leave them, you will never forsake them, you will never take your hand off of them. Lord, that you will guide them, direct them to the purpose you have for them. And I pray that like Adam and Eve, we won't judge you and hide from you and cover ourselves. So I pray that over every, every young man and woman in this room, as your heads remain bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ, I'd like to pray for you and I'll do it right where you're seated. I'm not going to ask you to, to be, I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm simply going to ask if you want to invite Christ into your heart to start a new life where you give your life to the one who gave his life for you. That's where it all begins. I'll do that and I'll pray for you right where you're seated and I'll ask the entire group to pray that prayer out loud and together with you right where you're at. So if you're here this evening and you've never given your life to Christ, this isn't about trying to be good. This isn't about trying to earn it. You can't earn it. This isn't about you trying to figure out God. This is about you trusting that he loved you enough to, to pay the price for you. So if you're here tonight, you've never given your life to Christ or you're not sure, you'd like to do that tonight, I want to pray for you right where you're seated. In fact, I'll ask the whole group to pray that prayer out loud and together with you right where you're seated. So heads bowed, eyes closed. Say, you say, Pastor John, would you please include me in that prayer? I'll pray for you right where you're seated. Just simply raise your hand up high so I can see it, and then I'll pray for you. Thank you. You can put your hand back down. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. 
Hey, listen, if you raised your hand, or you should have, you pray this out loud where you hear it, Jesus will come into your heart. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you're about to step into a journey to discover the rest of your life, the life that God meant you to have. Pray this out loud where you hear it. We'll pray it all together with you, then I'll be on my way. It's such an honor and a joy to speak with you all tonight. If you raise your hand or should have, pray this out loud. We'll pray it together with you. Say, Heavenly Father, pray it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross to bear the debt of my sin. I open the door of my heart and the door of my life. And Jesus, I invite you in. I receive you now to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God and my sin is washed away. I'm heaven bound and I confess Jesus is my Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. It's been a joy to be with you. Thanks, Pastor John. Let's give him a round of applause. So good. All right. Well, how's everyone doing tonight? I'm losing my voice, so if it sounds bad, forgive me. But um, I just wanted to take a minute and talk about offering. And, um, you know, we can give of our money, and I know we've heard that a lot, and that we bless others with what God blesses us with. And um, the more we give, you know, the more that he just reveals blessings in our lives. But I wanted to talk for a minute just about how we can give our time as well, because I think it's something that we can forget. And I know um, everyone's kind of had an experience in their life where they feel like because they gave their time towards someone else, that blessed them back. So I just encourage you guys this week, um, I know Rachel and I were talking, she works at Starbucks, and there's a story of someone who paid for someone else's drink, and then it, it went on for, are you on? No. Well, how long did it go on for? It was like three or four cars. One person pulled up and paid for the person behind them. And then the person behind them was like, oh, that's so great of them. So, like, I guess I should do it for the next person. And it, I wanted to see how far it would go. And it didn't last as long as I hoped it would have. But it was a good three or four cars and everybody paying for somebody else's, which was really cool to see because they didn't know beforehand. Yeah, so it's just, like, cool and encouraging things. Or maybe you've had something like that done for you. But um, just take some time this week maybe and, like, be aware of how you can be a blessing to someone else. Not even just, you know, maybe it is financially. You guys give so much here that we're able to send teenagers to camp and um, fund people for things that they just, like, can't afford. And so we do a lot here financially, and you guys are so faithful. But God is faithful when we're faithful with our time as well. So I'm just going to pray over the offering real quick, and then they'll pass the buckets. God, I just thank you so much for um, everyone here tonight, Lord, and their, their hearts for you and their hearts to give, Father. And I just thank you for blessing every single person. Um, we just take our money and, and we surrender it to you, God. And uh, know that you will use that, Lord, in your kingdom. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And pass the buckets now. We are, you obviously saw the um, information about the new website. It's uh, developing and everything like that, which is exciting. But we're also on Facebook and Twitter, so feel free to hashtag and look and check in and just present like an active presence on Facebook and Twitter because we're there. All right, second thing. Next week, Pastor Zach and Zach Del Turco, we call him Zach Squared, they're going to be talking about a topic next week, and you do not want to miss out on it. I'm not going to reveal what it is, but they'll be tag teaming next week. 
And um, Jill obviously already said about giving her time. Uh, we have Silver Ring thing coming up, which you also saw the video. So it's going to be really exciting tomorrow. Um, if you guys want to sign up last minute to help or even to come, um, volunteers come at 4. You can meet here. We'd love to have you. And if you want to come for the show, doors open at 5 for registration. And then the doors um, to the show open at 5.30 and the show starts at 6. All right. And last thing, tonight is the Harvest Fest. Who has their plaid on? I see some out there. Yeah, I forgot mine. But um, what we're going to do, it's all outside. It's ready. We're going to have a bonfire going. You're going to exit the doors on the front left of the sanctuary right here. Okay. Um, we have a bonfire. We're going to have a movie playing, um, hamburgers, hot dogs, hot chocolate. We have like fall drinks, coffee, and more. So you guys can get ready to head on out there. And then um, everyone can stand up like we have every week. There will be prayer partners lined up here. Um, so if you want to stay, have something that you need prayer for, someone to disagree with you in prayer, they will be here. All right. Let's have a fun night, guys. Thank you so much.